This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. No other power can save but you. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Church Online I'm Reverend Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I'm so glad that you're choosing to join us today, especially now as we are in our July sermon series, Walking in Freedom. We had a whole bunch of people watch last Sunday, and I just pray that as we continue to move through July, that there will be something that will reach you, something that will hit your heart, something that the Lord will reveal to you so that we all can continue to walk in freedom. I have lots to share today as we are on week number two. I'm an interesting character that we're going to be looking at. I'm excited to share with you what I prepared. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you and praise you for who you are, for how much you love us, and how you orchestrate things to come together so that we can learn to be more like you. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place to do a new thing in our hearts. Open up our hearts and our ears so that we can hear what you have for each one of us, Lord. That you will encourage us, equip us, strengthen us, and show us how much you love us. We love you and praise you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you joined us last week, we started a brand new sermon series called Walking in Freedom. And last week, Sunday, we looked at the different prison cells that we could find ourselves in. A prison cell of addiction, depression, fear, our past sin, and how the enemy's goal is to keep us trapped in these cells not living or walking in the freedom that Jesus gives us. So last week, that first step is always awareness. In all things, the first step is awareness. So we asked ourselves those hard questions and then said openly that to receive that gift of salvation and everlasting life and to walk in that freedom that we have to repent we have to return to Jesus. We need to receive Jesus's forgiveness and then walk that out each and every day. And we looked at some different scripture and and what that looks like and how to walk that out. And on top of that, if you joined us for our weekly Bible study on Wednesday, we looked at 1 Peter. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter all this month, how to live as born-again Christians and what that looks like. So there are lots of ways and resources over the month of July for us to understand whether or not we're living in a prison cell and how can we walk in freedom. Now, I think last week we established that all of us can have these prison cell moments, but that God doesn't waste one ounce of our pain. I'm grateful today for the struggles that I experienced and the trials that I walked through in my past because 
if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't lived in a cell like I did for 17 years, trapped in my own depression, trapped in my own world of sin, I don't believe that I would have the knowledge that I do today. I wouldn't have the empathy that I do today. I wouldn't have the conviction that I have today because even though I was trapped in one of these cells, Jesus was teaching me things. Jesus was walking with me. I am who I am today because of the things that Jesus taught me while I was here. You see, he doesn't waste one ounce of our pain. And all of the moments that I could see, I could see that he was with me. Sometimes for us, we don't see it in the moment. We, we don't see that God is walking with us, but he is. And it's usually when we look back. It's when we look back that we can go, okay, yeah, he was with me. I was not alone. He was trying to help me and yet I wasn't listening. And every turn and every challenge and every struggle, when I thought I was alone, Jesus never left my side. And it's the same for you. And recognizing that is crucial in our walk. So I want to look at that today. And I want to go back. I want to look at the Old Testament. I want to look at one man's journey and the different prisons that he was in literally in his life and what we can learn from that person. How despite his circumstances, he kept his joy in the journey and never gave up on God. This week, I want to look at the life of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles, you can get those out. You can turn with me, starting in Genesis chapter 37. I'm, I'm not going to read all the text, but I guess I want you to be able to see the fullness of his story. But before we do that, right, if we can go back a couple generations to keep things easy, we see that Abraham was married to Sarah. Sarah had Isaac. Isaac married Rebekah, and they had Jacob. And Jacob married Rachel and they had Joseph. You got to have a, a big understanding of the genealogy and how Joseph came on the scene. However, we can't understand Joseph without knowing his whole family. So we have to remember that Jacob not only was married to Rachel, but he also had Leah and had children with her. And their maidservants, Zilpah and Bilah. So in total, Joseph had 11 other brothers. Big family. Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. So her children were precious to him. So we could see with, with confidence that Joseph and his younger Benjamin were very loved. Jacob showed his love for Joseph by making him this tunic of many colors. Now, for those of you that are parents and grandparents, you know, this is not something that's good to do. It's not good to 
lavish special gifts on one particular child or one particular grandchild because you know what happens? The other ones get jealous. <laughs> so we have always tried to keep gifts equal so that everyone feels that love. Everyone feels that, that they're being treated, you know, special with the gifts. Well, this coat or tunic of many colors built this rift, this division between Joseph and his brothers, and they hated him. They hated that coat. They hated what that coat meant. And on top of all of that, Joseph had a couple of dreams that he went on to explain to his brothers and his father. And everyone got even more upset because these prophetic dreams showed the brothers bowing down to Joseph, showed these stalks of wheat bowing down to Joseph. And they were like, you think you're better than us? Uh, they were really mad at that. And it says in verse 10 that his brothers envied him. They envied Joseph for these dreams, but that his father kept the matter in mind. You see, his father knew that these were prophetic dreams given to Joseph. And so he tucked this away. These dreams were prophetic, showing Joseph that something would happen in the future. But we'll get to that. So the story continues in verse 12. And Jacob sends Joseph to go out and check on his brothers who were out tending the flocks. Joseph finds them in Dothan and makes his way there. Now, I want you to imagine for a second that there were just fields for miles, open country as far as you can see. And you have sheep and goats that are grazing. And then all of a sudden you see this really bright colored object coming off, coming towards you from the distance. And this is exactly what happened. His father sent Joseph to go check on his brothers. The brothers were out being shepherds, watching over the flocks. And all of a sudden, here comes Joseph, and they can see him coming for miles. And during that time that he was walking towards them, they plotted against him. They plotted to kill him. But one brother, Reuben, spoke up and said, let's not do it. Let's not kill him. Hey, how about this? How about we throw him in a pit and, and leave him to die? But Reuben said this because he was planning on going back and getting, getting Joseph out of that pit. So that's what happened. Joseph joins them. He comes up and is like, hey guys, dad just sent me to, to check in on you. How's it going? And in that moment, they jumped on him. They stripped him of his coat and they threw him into a pit to die. Can anybody relate so far? You're moving through your life. You're feeling loved. You're wearing this amazing coat that your dad gave you. And then all of a sudden, a family member or friend does something and you are like, where in the heck did this come from? 
And before you know it, you're sitting in a pit of darkness, shocked, and can barely believe it. But it gets worse. As the brothers sat down to eat, their brother Joseph in the pit, here comes a company of Ishmaelites on their way to Egypt. So the brothers decide to sell Joseph so they can make a little money. Besides, they said, we probably shouldn't lay a hand on him, you know, since he's our brother. And as for me, as I read this, this is where the story turns. I mean, it was bad before, hated by his brothers, thrown into a pit, possibly going to die, unsure of what is happening next. But when he is sold, this feeling of hopelessness fills you and you think it's over. It's one thing to have a messed up family and to be thrown into a pit. But now, and I am feeling that Joseph, Joseph must have been going through, you are no longer your own. You are owned by someone. You are no longer in your own country, surrounded by family, and you have no idea what's coming next. All the plans, all the things that you had wanted to do and hoped to do are now being left as you drive off with this whole other group of people going someplace else, no idea where you're going, but that now you are their slave. Your whole life has changed in a moment. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever felt those things? Maybe envy from other people. Maybe that someone has lashed out to you and has done something to you now that has changed the trajectory of your life. Maybe you feel like this, sitting in a cell. Your life is not your own. Where do your thoughts go to? Do you start yelling at God? Do you start saying, really, these are the plans you have for me? Maybe in those moments, and if that's happened to you, you've turned away from God because you can't even believe that you're in this situation. Life has just gotten really hard. And the biggest question that you're asking is, God, where are you? But the story doesn't end here. He was sold for 20 shekels of silver. And the brothers kill a goat and dip the many-colored tunic in the blood and take it back to their father, to Jacob. And Jacob is destroyed with grief. We pick up the story in chapter 39. And we read that a man named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, has purchased Joseph. And we read in verse 2, the Lord is with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was the master of the house. He was put in charge of everything else. Potiphar relied on Joseph 
and he had access to everything. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all Joseph did prosper in his hand. Wait, what? He's a slave. He works for the captain of the guard and God is with him. And yet he's in his own prison. Does this change the story for you? Are you still feeling hopeless? These words changed my heart and I started to think about how many times I was traveling through something really hard and I never noticed that God was there. I was too busy with my eyes down, focused on the situation and could not see God working. I was too caught up in my sadness and grief that I wasn't living my old life. And yet here is Joseph and God is with him. Even though this situation isn't what Joseph wanted, God's never left him. And he's blessing him and the works of his hands at his new location. The story continues. Potiphar's wife is looking at Joseph running the house. Joseph is a handsome man. And Potiphar's wife lusts after Joseph and is throwing herself at him. And yet Joseph denies the advances. And when he does, she creates this scene and accuses Joseph and everyone believes her. Including Potiphar. And Joseph is thrown into prison. Literally. And guess what? God never left Joseph. God was with Joseph. And the prison guard can see that God is with Joseph and that Joseph is successful in all that he does and puts Joseph in charge of everything. So now Joseph is in charge of things in prison. While working there, Joseph meets two workers of Pharaoh who had been thrown in to prison. He interprets their dreams and says, remember me when you go back to Pharaoh. Two years later, Joseph is still in prison and the men haven't remembered Joseph, until Pharaoh has a couple of dreams. And one of the workers, the chief butler, remembers Joseph. So they get Joseph out of prison, clean him up, and now Joseph is standing in front of Pharaoh, the king of all Egypt. As a reader, I don't know about you, but as a reader, I started thinking, How in the world did God do this? Joseph now has this divine appointment with the king of Egypt. And remember, he started off as this younger brother with the fancy coat who was thrown in a pit and left for dead but sold to Ishmaelites. He was then a slave to Potiphar 
thrown into prison after his wife told a lie about him. And he's been living there and hanging out for two years and now finds himself in front of the king. You can't help but see God's faithfulness in the story. Even amidst all of the personal tragedy, life has definitely been hard for Jacob, but you can also see that he has been blessed, right? That God is walking with him and that he was spared from being killed. And even though he was sold, he was still sold to a high official and lived lavishly in his home. And God blessed the work of his hands. And now God was using him to speak to Pharaoh and to talk about these dreams. And God gives Joseph the meaning of these dreams that he shares with Pharaoh. Dreams that have to do with seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And the dreams were right and correct and Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge, second in command. Not only did Joseph have the interpretation of the dream, but he also had the solution and Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt. Here's the thing. The famine affected everyone in the land, including Joseph's brothers. And when the famine started, his brothers had to travel to Egypt to buy food. And who do you think they had to buy it from? Joseph. At first, they did not recognize Joseph. And through a series of schemes and plots, Joseph, who recognized them, tested them to see if they had changed. And he eventually revealed his identity and his entire family moved to Egypt. And when we get to the end of Genesis chapter 50, and as you can see, there are several chapters that take us through the story. Jacob has died and the sons are all nervous that now Joseph will take revenge on them and everything that they put him through. And this is what Joseph says. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What stands out the most for you in this story? What can the life of Joseph teach us when we can literally have prison moments in our lives and have these extraordinary circumstances and situations happen to us, brought on not necessarily by ourselves, but other people, how do we keep having joy in the journey? How do we not forsake God and keep being obedient to God just like 
Joseph was. Maybe when the first response that we have is questioning God, well, why am I here? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why am I in this prison cell today? Well, as I was studying and and researching, I came across one one commentator's suggestions on how Joseph can teach us. I want to look at those today. Number one, God's dreams for you can make others uncomfortable. Remember way back, Joseph had some prophetic dreams where his brothers and even these stalks of wheat were bowing down to him. Those came true. Right? When his brothers came to Egypt to get food, they bowed down before the second most powerful man in Egypt to get their grain, their sacks of grain to take back home to feed their families. They bowed down and worshipped him, even though they didn't know who he was. Joseph's brothers were jealous and envious of that coat, but also of the relationship that Joseph had with Jacob. And although Joseph's brothers tried to destroy God's plan for his life by selling him into slavery, their actions only served to cause God's plans to fall right into place. This is not where he ended up. He might have started off here, but this is not where he stayed. And God worked everything together so that Joseph could have those fulfilling plans that God had for him, like the dreams talked about. Which brings us to lesson number two. Nothing stops God's plans. Their actions only served to fulfill everything that God had put in place. And that can be the same for us today. God has great plans for you. And maybe life, maybe yourself, maybe other people have had you stuck in this prison cell and you just don't know how you're going to get out. But we need to keep trusting in God. We need to keep leaning into him. We keep need to be praising him for the great plans that he has for your life so that he can work and move. Lesson three, sometimes generational curses can be at work in your life. We went back and talked about that genealogy of of Joseph. And to know that full story, you need to know that Joseph's brothers tried to get rid of him because they felt that if they were to get rid of him, that they would secure their share of the inheritance. Their schemes and lies are quite similar to what their father Jacob did. And if you didn't know that, back when Jacob was a young man, he and his mother schemed so that he would get the blessing which belonged to his brother Esau. And just like that, we see the same behavior presented itself in his sons. 
Joseph fell victim to a generational curse. Sin that was generational. Sins of the father. Do we have that in our lives? Do we see sin that has been in our generations before us that we need to put a stop to, that we need to change to be set free? Lesson four, in hard times, always watch for how God shows up. I had shared a few minutes ago that back when I was in my own prison cell, I wasn't focused on God because my head was down. I was discouraged. I was disappointed. I wasn't looking for God in those situations when I was in my own time of being in prison. So are we focused with our heads down looking at our circumstances or are we looking for God to break in and work and move? And although Joseph ended up in Egypt, because of the unfortunate family issues, the the revenge and the jealousy and the generational sin, God never left Joseph alone, even in a country of strangers. Are we looking for God to work and move in our own lives? Lesson five, integrity and obedience beats lies every time. One of the most powerful life principles from the life of Joseph has to do with his integrity. Remember when Joseph worked at Potiphar's house, There was nothing that was out of bounds for him. The master gave him access to everything except his wife. And Joseph obeyed that. Joseph worked with his hands and made everything work and and God blessed him. And Joseph did not feel that he had entitlement to Potiphar's wife even though she threw himself at him, even though she tried to get him to be interested, Joseph was a man of integrity. His integrity was driven by his sound commitment and obedience to God. He did not allow the flesh to take over. He did not allow the flesh to go off and do something that was outside of his commitment to God. Integrity and obedience are important to have as we are following God each and every day. Lesson six. God will test you even when you're called. We don't realize it. These tasks that come to us from God are to train us up and equip us. And although Joseph was called to leadership and God had great plans for him and had even given those plans to him in dreams, letting him know that something was coming, something greater than himself. Notice that he did not ascend to that great position overnight. 
Joseph didn't go from walking through the fields to his brothers and be sent over in front of the king, of the pharaoh, overnight. No, everything that he went through, even though it wasn't part of his plan, trained him up into that leadership. He was a leader at Potiphar's house. He was a leader in prison. And he was a leader in Egypt. He had various tests. Everything he did, he did with integrity and obedience to God. And everything he did distinguished himself into that leadership position. God was training him up to make sure that he was ready for that ultimate position of second in command in Egypt with all the people's lives were placed into Joseph's hands to care for, to feed, to govern. God needed to be sure that he was going to be faithful with little things before he was given a kingdom to take care of. Sometimes we look at the tests that come to us and we question God and we think the negative. We don't embrace the tests and the opportunity to say, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me in this moment? What do you want to show me? How can I be more like you? Oftentimes we like throw a tantrum. We get mad. We put our head down and we're like, oh, this is what God is showing me today. I can't believe it. And instead of embracing the lesson and, in, and embracing how we can be more like Jesus. And lesson seven, God really knows your readiness for leadership. Why didn't God choose one of the older brothers for the task for Joseph? Because God can look into our hearts. And God could see that inside Joseph's brother's hearts, there were evil. There was revenge. There was envy. There weren't qualities of a man who was going to be obedient to God no matter what he asked. But Joseph, the youngest, had a heart for God. He was humble and obedient. He was willing to follow God's lead. He was willing to forgive. I I think I would really have to question myself after I was thrown in a pit and left to die, how easy it would be to forgive those brothers that did that to me. Joseph was truly a genuine forgiving soul, obedient to God, living by integrity. And God was able to use him. Lesson eight. God will lead you into that leadership role on purpose. Joseph was a natural born leader. We know this because anyone who is humble and following usually will make a great leader. However, Joseph was comfortable 
at home. He loved being the father's favorite. He loved being spoiled. He loved his coat. I could bet there were a few times that he might have digged in with his brothers. Yeah, look at what dad made me. I'm wearing it, you're not. I'm sure that he did that. But Jesus, sorry, God put him into a place where he would need to put those childish things aside. He was forced to rise up and shine and show those leadership abilities. And so God took him out of that comfortable zone and placed him to help the nation. God moved him into that leadership, almost pushing him outside of his comfort zone and into what he had for him. Lesson nine, pay attention to others on your faith journey. Sometimes we can think it's all about us, right? I'm on this path. God has great plans for me and this is what I need to do. And we don't seem to look at other people on their own journeys. We're so focused on what God has for us. And yet, if Joseph hadn't helped the cupbearer and the baker with their dreams, if he hadn't sat down in the cell and listened to their issues, they wouldn't have remembered him to Pharaoh. Joseph took the time to sit and talk with them. And although the news was not good for both of them, there is no doubt it meant so much that they had clarity and that it helped them and they remembered Joseph. So while we are on our own journeys, we need to be paying attention to the people around us. We need to be actively willing to help others. Stepping out and doing what God is asking us to do. Lesson 10. People deserve second chances. Joseph may have put his brother through some grueling tasks. He put that gold or silver cup into the the grain sack. And they thought they had stole it. Continue to read the story. You're going to see all the things that happened. They happened to have to do. They, those plots and schemes served a purpose. Joseph was trying to see the shape of their heart. Joseph was trying to see if they had changed. Joseph wanted to give them a second chance, but, but needed to test them. Joseph was willing to forgive but he needed to see if they were deserving of a second chance. He was checking out the boundaries. He was seeing if he could rely on them. And no one says you have to maintain a a relationship with someone that has hurt you. But we do need to forgive them. And God is all about second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And however many times you are messing up in your life. I know I've messed up a lot and God continues to give me chances. Are we giving other people second chances? Are we inviting them into our lives and and checking out the shape of their heart and if they have really changed? 
And then one more, lesson 11, trust God's process. Perhaps the most powerful lesson from the life of Joseph was that he trusted God completely, no matter where he was in life. Whether he was serving, whether he was in prison, whether he was working as second in command in Egypt, through the 23 years in Egypt before his his brothers came, he kept the faith and trusted God. God allowed Joseph's suffering because of the bigger picture. His calling was to save the, the world at that time from starvation. Joseph's suffering, even though temporary, brought glory to God. God works and moves all things together for his glory. Our takeaway for today besides the the many lessons that I've already shared. It's no doubt that this life is hard. It's no doubt that we are challenged living in a sinful world filled with broken people. And all of those interactions that we have with other broken people affect our lives. And sometimes because of their sin, because of things that they've done, the things that they have plotted against us, We ended up in a pit, left to die. A lot of times it's our own sin and brokenness that leave us in cells like this. But God uses circumstances and other people and the brokenness of our lives for all things. If we don't trust God, who is ultimately in control and believe that he has a plan and purpose for our lives, we are going to live as slaves, believing the very, fir- the very worst, living in darkness and regret. We have to believe that we are chosen, that we are loved, that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. The enemy wants to keep us here. God wants to use all things together for his glory. Because ultimately, this life is only a blip on the radar compared to an eternity in heaven with him. Joseph continued to trust and believe in God and his faithfulness. He didn't blame God for what was happening, but he kept stepping out in faith. What's next, Lord? How can I serve you today? How can I serve these people? How can I serve this household? How can I serve this king? How can I serve you? What do you have for me today? And even though it maybe didn't look anything like what Joseph had originally planned, God is so good that he used all of the bad things to train Joseph, to prepare him, to turn him into the man who was ready to meet the king of Egypt and lead the people and do everything God was calling him to do. Yes, life is hard. Yes, we are going to have prison cell moments, but God is faithful and so good. And this week, as we're building on our knowledge as we're 
growing and asking God to give us revelation, to help us to have a renewed mind. We need to ask ourselves the question, am I trusting in the Lord? Am I rejoicing and praising him even in the hard moments, even in the prison cell moments, the hard moments and the hard seasons? And when things are hard, am I staying obedient to God? Or am I taking the easy road? Am I forgetting my integrity? Am I forgetting the life that God has called me to? Am I trusting that the Lord has great plans for me and allowing me to grow and to do the plans that he has for each one of us? And the biggest question that we have to ask today is, is there joy in our journey? Can we find joy no matter what circumstance or situation that we are in? Praising God and looking for Him. Do you have joy today in your journey? If not, then I want to encourage you to lean into the Lord. To have Him renew your mind. To renew the way that you are looking at your life. The way you are looking at God. He is a faithful Father. He is so good. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the story. I thank you for Joseph. I thank you for how we can look at his life. And every turn there was some hardship, some obstacle that he had to get through and overcome and get out of. And yet he kept his joy. He kept his integrity. He continued to be obedient to you no matter where he was at, whether he was free or slave, whether he was in prison or whether he was second in command of Egypt. That is us today, Lord. We are here today because of situations and circumstances and people, choices that we have made and choices that have been made for us. And we need to know how to navigate. We need to know how to walk in freedom. And Lord, I pray that you will reveal that to each one of us today. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to never forget who you are, a faithful father that has great plans for us, that loves us. Help us to lean into you and ask, Lord, how can I be teachable? What can you teach me today, Lord, to be more like you? What do you have for me in this season? Help us, Lord, to see the big picture. Help us to remember, ultimately, that this is not our home and that you are not only preparing a place for us, you are preparing us for that place. We love you and praise you and thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being with us. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.